Thank you for tuning in to First Assembly in Youngsville, Louisiana, where it's our vision to be a place to meet with God. We pray that you will find this message to be both encouraging and empowering as we go deeper into the Word of God through Spirit-empowered, life-giving, Christ-centered ministry. For more information about First Assembly or to catch up on previous messages, you can visit our website at firstassembly.place. Bible, I want to encourage you to turn with me. We're going to be looking in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. Galatians 5, 5 through 8. I'm going to turn there as well. If you don't have a Bible, I want to encourage you that we have some Bibles in the, the chair back in front of you, and uh, you just can, can use that. And also, we'll have the scripture verses up on the screens. But before I read this, I just want to take an opportunity to uh, just to kind of cover what we covered last week. You know, it's just been uh, at some, one of the things that's been just stirring up my heart uh, as I've come into this new role as a pastor of the church and, and uh, just trying to learn and understand and just know the will of the Father. Amen. Just to know the will of the Father. I want you to just to recognize that for one, uh, we can work and function in the will of the Father as we work and as we cease to work and function in our own will. Jesus said it when, he, when the disciples asked him, how do we pray? He said that, you know, pray that, Father, on, on earth as it is in heaven. You know, as we just begin to come into agreement with that, God has the ability to grow the church. And when I say just grow the church, I'm not just meaning simply in numbers. I'm not just meaning simply in the amount of people are here or in our tithes and our offerings or in the total giving of the church. What I'm talking about is grow the, the, the influence on this wicked and dark world. That the church has. Come on, how many of you realize that the world we live in right now is looking for answers? Come on, the world we live in is looking for answers. And I feel like that as, a, as the church, that it's time that we stand up, that we rise up, and we be, de, de, begin to declare the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And he's going to have the ability to transform the world that we live in. You know, the, the, as we look at here in the book of Galatians, I, I ask myself many times, what does it really mean to be the church? What does it mean to be the church? You know, I, I've seen many people have multiple conversations with people that just get burned in church. They get hurt by church. But I want you to recognize something, that church is community first. And that the church is a body of believers, the body of Jesus Christ on this earth. And we need to learn, read and look to Scripture to understand how are we to function. You know, we did a, a series a couple of years ago uh, written by a, a man named Francis Schaeffer that says, how then shall we live or how shall we then live? And really, that's, how, that's the question of the age. We're the church. What are we to do now? Amen. Well, we've got great anointed worship. We've got great anointed preaching and ministry and all those other great things. But I want you to know that as long as we keep the church in the bounds of these four walls, that it, it, it loses its ability to have an influence on the community that we live in. You know what Travis was sharing here earlier about lead the, the, and, and doing the ministry at Ernest Gallet. I want you to, to understand that we need you. We need you to step up and, and, and start, begin to function and work in the calling that God has called you to do. That each one of you has a specific gift from the Lord that was specifically designed for the body that He has knit you within. 
I don't know what that gift is for everybody, but I know that, that for Sophie, she's got a wonderful voice, and that her voice, as she just begins to function under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, has the ability to change and transform a person's heart. But even as we look back in Galatians, we see that at that time, there was a lot of uncertainty. This is just within the first hundred years of the church. I mean, I want you to get the picture that Jesus Christ had just, He had died on a cross, a sinner's cross, that He was buried in a tomb for three days. And as Doc likes to say on Easter, the tomb was empty when they went back. Come on, that's worth getting excited about. But I want you to know that the tomb wasn't empty. Jesus just wasn't gone, but He came back to this earth and He dwelt with His people. He dwelt with the apostles and taught them and encouraged them for 40 days. And He said that it's... It, listen, I know I love you, but I have to go because there's somebody that's going to come and that he's gonna, that's going to be even better for you, right? That I'm living with you, but somebody's going to come that's going to live inside of you, and that is the Holy Spirit. And there was this great freedom that came during this early period of the church. I mean... Think about it. There were people there that saw Jesus, the resurrected Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it. As he was seen by, by hundreds of, of folks during this early church, but they were under huge persecution. And just within the first hundred years, there were people that began to come into the church and begin to stir up strife, begin to stir up dissension, begin to bring in confusion. Come on, it says in the Word that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Come on, what, what is there? There's freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. I want you to know that in this place, that there's a Spirit of the Lord. That where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. As we begin to function and walk in that. And we can't let others come in and, and begin to say, well, you know what? I understand that there's freedom, but, you know, we've got to live by this certain set of rules. I want you to know that there are rules. But we don't need to be caught up by the rules. I want to be caught up by the Spirit of the Lord. Caught up by the freedom that God has set me free from. As He set me free from addiction some 17 years ago. He set me free from homelessness and poverty and depression and anxiety. That you know, I don't have to live by the bounds of those things any longer. No longer will I continue to live in the debt that, God's, that, that I put myself in. But I want to live in the freedom that Jesus has called me to live in. You know, there were Judaizers that came into the church. And what I mean is that they said, well, you know, you're living this new life in Christ. I get it. But they're saying basically, but you still have to get circumcised. You still have to do all these religious things that we're called that we have to do. Right. If you really want to be part of the flock, you've got to you got to look like the rest of the flock. But I want you to know that, that that's not what. That's not what the intent of the scriptures was. Jesus didn't come to set us free to put us back into bondage. He came to set us free so that we would never have to be bound again. In fact, in, in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus told Peter, and this is my favorite verse of scripture in all the Bible, when Peter looks at Jesus and he says, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, oh, the rock. He says, this is the foundation. This is the rock that I will build my church upon. This truth that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of the living God. That no longer do we have to go to the temple. No longer do we have to go to the priest. But we can now come to the, to the Son in order to find re repentance and remission for sins. He says, upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
You know, I want you to know that just because Jesus said that, that means that the, the gates of hell, how many of you know they are per- trying to attack the church today? Come on, the gates of hell won't prevail. That means that somebody's coming against the church. The gates of hell are trying to destroy the reputation of the church. The gates of hell are trying to destroy the calling of the church. Last week we looked at the verses of Scripture and we kind of went through the story of the Good Samaritan. And we learned that through love we serve one another. And we came to the realization that the neighbor that we're called to love is none other than Jesus himself. And we find that as we serve others, that God has called the church to serve others. As we serve others, we are serving God. That right there in Deuteronomy 6.4, it says the, to love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Right? And, he says, and then it goes on to say to love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to know that Jesus is the good neighbor who came to bind up our wounds. Jesus is the good neighbor who came to lift us up. Jesus is the good neighbor who came and put us with the innkeeper. And he paid all of our debts. He paid all of our, our trespasses. And as a matter of fact, he said, even if, 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 if there's even more that, that he owes when I come back, I'm going to pay that too. Come on, Jesus is the God of, 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 of the past, he's the God of the present, and he's the God of the future. Like David said, that he has the first word and the last word. Come on, I believe that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he came to set me free, and he wants us to know the truth, because it's the truth that sets us free. But I want you to know that as the church that we're called to serve one another, but as the church we're also called to, to work faith through love. Come on, working faith. Faith working through love. Galatians 5, 5 through 8. Come on, if you're there with me, can you say amen? amen. Gave a little bit of a, an interlude to that. It says, For we through the Spirit eagerly wait, For the hope of righteousness by faith. Can you look at your neighbor and say, by faith? Look at your other neighbor and say, by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Man, I can start preaching right now, but I've got to read the rest of the scripture. (laughs) You ran well who hindered you from obeying the truth. This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. Right now, can we just go to the Lord and just ask for him to just be with us here this morning? We just bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the incredible grace that you've poured out on, on my life and for each life that's here today. Lord, that that grace that pours out has the ability to wash us white as snow. Lord, I pray that right now you can just begin to break down any communication barriers that may be present here today. Lord, any spirit that's here today that may try to to cause confusion or, or misunderstanding, Lord, I just rebuke that in the name of Jesus right now. Lord, but I pray that we can just clearly hear from you, Lord, each individually and as a body, that we can be equipped for the working of the ministry here in this community, Lord. I pray that you help us to just grow in you and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As many of you know that, that I was in the workforce for, for some 20 years working in the oil field. I was an oil field guy. I, I've been working in all types of jobs. I worked, started off on the, on the slab, steam cleaning tools, right? All the way up to dressing and, and, and putting together different tools and parts. And went and worked on the rigs and, and did all that kind of stuff. And as a matter of fact, I, 
my, my job title was, believe it or not, a fishing tool hand, right? Some of the guys, they called me a fisherman. That was kind of my job. I would go in on, on these wells and that would have problems and they'd have things stuck or lost in the, in the well and I would go devise up a, an idea and a plan and we would go and get the stuff out, right? Uh, I'd like to tell people, I mean, it's kind of a joke, but I think it's kind of true that, that God called me from a, being a fisher of oil tools to being a fisher of men, right? Stealing that a little bit from Peter, but hey, it's good enough for me. And so, you know, I'm doing a long life as, as trucking along, and then next thing you know, you know, you come across some hard times, and then you come across some good times. And, and, and there was many times that we believed that me and my wife, as we would pray together, that God was leading us in a specific direction. And, and I want you to know that we didn't always have what the outcome of that was going to look like. We just knew that, Lord, we needed to move. I remember probably, man, it's been 15 years ago. That is absolutely incredible. Maybe not 15, 13 years ago. And I remember this time when, when I was just in prayer and God just began to speak to me. He said, Joe, I, I want you to just get an understanding that if you continue doing the things that you're doing right now, that five years from now, you're going to be doing the exact same thing you're doing right now. He said, if you're content with that, keep up the good work. He said, if you want to see what I can do, he said, I need you to make a decision right now to follow me. I said, Lord, I'm going to follow you wherever you lead me. Just like Moses said there, he says, Lord, wherever you go, I'm going to go. But I'm not going unless you come with me. Come on, that's the decision we made. And little did I know that, that, that we just made the decision to, to go to Dallas, Texas, to attend Christ of the Nations Institute. And, and I want you to realize that I was like, you know, bro. Y'all know that term. I mean, you know, a lot of times we sing that song, we sing it today, we're broken inside, you know. I, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. I was like literally, physically broke. I didn't have, even have a... Uh, I didn't have any money or have a wallet to put money in. You know, kind of that saying. So I was broke, and then we, but we made the decision to go. And we said, Lord, whatever it's going to take for us to make that decision, we're going to do it. And we set our hearts to go. And, and hey, two short months later, supernaturally, by the favor of God, He provided everything that we needed to pay for the whole, not just the first couple of months payments, but the first entire semester of schooling. And not only that, but room and board and, and, and food and everything and all things, right? That God, He has the ability to provide for us. And we made that decision again some six years ago. We came across a time where, where God was calling us away from our home church and we came to this church and God just connected us. As a matter of fact, I remember uh, Kurt Petrie. He's not here. I don't see him. But, but Kurt came up to me. He says, man, did y'all used to like come to this church like years and years ago or something? He said, maybe before I got here, I'm like, nope, this is like my second time here. He said, because you know everybody. I'm like, well, just God just kind of like put us in the right place, right? He just kind of connected us. He weaved us into the body of Christ here in Lafayette at First Assembly. And then I, and just without any knowledge of myself, I just began to pray, Lord, what are you going to have me to do? He said, Joe, just stay working, but I want you to start attending classes. I'm like, okay. So, you know, I start going through this whole process. And I want you to see just a pattern here of, of not just having faith, but I want you to see a pattern of, of faith that moves us to do things, right? It's a pattern of faith that moves us to do things. Little did I know that a short four years later, I would be, getting, I would be receiving an ordination from the Assemblies of God. I didn't even have any intention of doing that. I just simply walk one day to the next with the Lord. That's kind of how I do it. I don't know where I'm going. I, mean, I know that sounds scary. I'm the pastor of the church. I'm supposed to have all this grand vision and all this grand direction. But the reality is, is you can rest assured that my vision and direction comes directly from the king on high. 
that I know that God's put us in a place and I've got some plans and we've got some wonderful things coming, but I want you to know that we're going to do that in absolute reliance on Jesus Christ as He speaks to us through His Holy Spirit. But you see, we need to be strengthened as a church working together. That as we serve one another, these are some of the foundational principles of the church. As we come together, we serve one another. I mean, I look out and I see multiple people here that just serve. Effort, I mean, just like endlessly serving other people. That's really the heart of who the church is, to serve one another. Another principle of the church, and one we're going to talk about today, is just working faith. I want you to know that as a church, we're called to work faith within one another. You know, even during all those times as I was coming up, there was times of where I was like, man, I don't have no faith. I don't even have faith to get up this morning. I'm going to tell you that right now, even as I was standing there for worship, that my faith was like, well, am I, do I really have the right message? You know, so God says, yep. God says, yep. God says, yep. I want you to know that this is the, the message for today, that God is saying that we need to begin to work faith in our lives. Come on, it's kind of like leaven, and I'm, there's some scripture verses I'm going to get to. But, you know, leaven, is for all my bread makers who are going to start a cooking class, if you, if you just take leaven and sprinkle it on the top of the dough, what happens? Nothing. You have to put the leaven in, and what do you got to do? You got to begin to knead it and work it, knead it and work it. Jesus said that a little leaven leavens a bunch. Now, you can take that kind of both ways, but I want you to know he wants, to, he wants us to work faith into our lives. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says that faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm going to read that one more time. It says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, I, want you, I just want to encourage you today to just to begin to do a little bit of a self-analysis. Begin to look at yourself and begin to say, where do I need faith in my life? Where do I need movement in my life? Where do I need a miracle in my life? Where do I need a healing in my life? I want you to know that, that Hebrews, that God says, He says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. How many of you realize I can walk over to this piano and I can put my hands on it because it has substance? It's something that's tangible. But as I begin to play the keys, it makes noise. For some of us, it sounds better than others. But I want you to realize that faith is a substance of things hoped for. Come on, how many of us in our lives, I wanted to do great and wonderful things, and I had high hopes in my life. Come on, how many of y'all have a hope, or are hoping for something in your life? Come on, raise your hand up if that's you. How many of you have hope in your life? I believe that God wants to begin to deliver on some hope, but He wants us to put a little bit of substance to that hope. He wants us to put a little action to that hope. He wants us to say, you know what, I believe this so much that I'm going to begin to do things by faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, it goes on to say, you know, by faith, Noah built an ark. I want, I, think about that. He just didn't say, well, I'm just building an ark. But what was his faith in? He had faith that God is going to flood the earth. And he said that, that he needed to do something about it. So he began to build an ark for 120 years. He's preaching there in the wilderness to, to all the people. Sometimes faith doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Sometimes the things we do by faith may not look so normal in the natural. But in the supernatural, we're doing things because we have a, a deep hope within us. 
Just like that time we made the decision to move to Dallas. I didn't know how to figure that out, but I knew that God had called us to do it. I had a hope that he had greater things for us in our spiritual walk. And we just began to make decisions on faith and actions on faith. And then God brought, that, brought forth the outcome. Just like when I made the decision to go to school, I began to do things by faith, not knowing what the outcome was. My word, had he told me, I may have just quit going to school that day. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, I mean, partially kidding. This is the, so anyway. If we can't put our finger on faith, that's what we need to do. We need to have the ability to put our finger on the, the substance of the things that we hope for. And that's what faith is. You know, that word there, faith, as we look at it in, in or that word working in Galatians, where it says faith working through love, that word is energeo. It's energy, right? It's that we need to, faith has with energy. You know, I, I know a lot of times, well, I'm just, I'm just believing. I'm having faith. I'm going to continue to pray. I want you to know that's great. We need to do that. We need to continue to pray. But I also want you to realize that today we need to have some beliefs in things and we need to start making actions based upon those beliefs. Come on, we know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. I want you to know that that's true for me, that's true for you, that's true for every lost soul on this earth. If I truly believe that in my heart, then I'm going to be knocking on doors. I'm going to be seeing people who are living on the street, and I'm going to begin to bring provision for them, not just for food, but I want you to bring provision for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That that hope that I have, I can give an answer for, that I know that God has delivered me and raised me up out of that low place. He can do that for anyone. Come on, that is, the, that is the hope that I have, that the world be saved. Everybody hopes for world peace. My question is, is do you have the faith to carry that out? You know, I had talked to Miss Margaret Byer and uh, just here this, this past week, and she had called or sent me a text message, actually, and just shared a little bit of a, a story that she was, she was over there on Pinhook Road. I mean, how many of y'all realize that that Miss Margaret is a, she's a young lady, right? And, she, and, and, and she's out there, and it's 100 plus degrees outside. And she saw a poor person sitting there in the middle of the road with their car broke down. I mean, I didn't have a chance to get all the details of the story, but she says, you know what? Pastor Joe said, I need to, you know, be a good Samaritan. I need to be serving others, right? And, and, and she, but I don't think that she did it just because I said it. I think she did it just because of the Christ that lives inside of Miss Margaret. And she saw a person that had a need, and then that hope that she had that that person would get help, she began to put legs to her hope, which was her faith. And she stops in 100-degree weather in, a, in a, a dress and high heel shoes and begins to push that car out of the road. But I want you to see that when the body of, the, of Christ, whenever the things that you begin to do by faith, it can begin, those little sparks can light a fire. Come on, little sparks can light a fire. Miss Margaret didn't have to push that car all the way out the road by herself. What happens is, is another lady gets stops and she begins to, to help push. Then, of course, another young man, he stops and, and, and begins to help push. And then another young man, he stops and begins to help push. And so on and so on until about what, three and a half, four hours later, they have the car in a safe place out of the way the person's taken care of. You know, the beautiful thing about it is, is that all that little miniature effort didn't exactly, all those people didn't look the same. They had a, a white woman, a black woman, a, a white man, a black man, an Asian man. Come on, I believe that that's a perfect example of what the church should look like. That the church is culturally diversified. 
you know, I'm, amen. I'm proud, proud to say that we have, I mean, we have, a, you know, to truly say we are a multicultural church is an understatement. You know, here just, we have, we have, we have white African Americans. And we have black African Americans. We have Asians. We have Filipino. We have Irish and German and French. We have all heritage. Why? Because the body of Christ is the whole world coming, working together for the same purpose, the same cause. Amen. You know, that's why we do the things that we do. It's faith working through love. What? We go to, to do, go and minister to the junior highs and the elementary schools through our lead programs. Yeah, we, can we just say and do whatever we want? Maybe not. You know, maybe we don't have just this open thing where we're, I mean, you know, beginning to pray and they're, you know, casting out demons in the school and, and the Holy Spirit moving and having, you know, speaking in tongues and prophecy and all that stuff. I want you to know that's, that's, that's fine. You know, but the, the seeds that we do plant lead to those things. You know, we don't have to have it all at once. Come on. I want you to know that, that having these grand visions without, without willing to walk through the process will keep you from the calling God has on your life. That's the truth. We have to put our faith to work, to wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. I guess my point in all that is to say that faith is more than just an attitude. It's an action. Faith is more than an attitude. It's an action. If I can't put legs to the things that I have faith in, then it's just a hope. You know, what is your faith? I, I want you to know we baptize people on, on, here at this church for one reason. Because we believe that, that we follow the Lord in, in water baptism. That you, if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence and speaking in tongues, as I did, and you begin to just experience new life, new growth, and the fire of God working within you, you can do that here. I mean, that's not, I'm not going to start preaching on the Holy Spirit, but man, come on, Jesus. In James 2.14, it says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? You see, and James, he wraps it up. He says, you show me your, your faith and I'll show you my faith by my works. That it's important that we understand that we're not saved by our works, but we're not saved by our faith alone. That we're saved by our faith working love through each other. That the faith that we have needs to drive us to, to help other people. You know, it says in the scripture there in Romans, confess with your mouth, believe with your heart, and you shall be saved. I believe that that confession should lead to action. That, that, that confession should lead to life change. You know, I love what Doc said. I mean, he's a psychologist. Sometimes we don't have it figured out all what's inside of our brain, how things are going to work out. We don't need to necessarily always listen to our brain. But we need to listen to the Spirit of God that's calling on us, that's calling us out. And He'll give us direction. You know, we grow up in, in farmer country, you know, in, in rice country there in southwest Louisiana. And I want you to know that farmers, by faith, they plant seeds. You know, I don't know what, I've talked to many farmers, and they, they bring great harvest in time. And during that harvest time, there's, there's plenty. I mean, they pay off all their debts. But, but many of them, I mean, they make huge financial investments, huge time investments, so much so that they have to many times take out loans and things like that in order to put seed in the ground. And then what do you do after you put seed in the ground? You wait and you water. You wait and you water. 
But I want you to know that it's, it's many times our faith is that's exactly how it, how it works. We begin to plant seeds. We may not see the fruit of it just yet. But I want you to realize that we don't have a crop until we begin to have fruit. I, don't, I want you to encourage you that although you may not see things happening, you're functioning in faith. Don't quit functioning. Don't quit believing. Don't quit watering. Don't walk away from it until you begin to say, see fruit in your life. That he wants to bring abundance. He wants to bring peace. You keep waiting for that. Wait on the Lord in hope for righteousness by faith. That's what the scripture says. That just like that farmer, those things that we do for others, we need to have that faith to continue on until we begin to see the fruit of it. Because the reality is, is that the faith is not by our works. It's by the works of the Lord. It's by the work of God. In fact, it says, in, it says it there in uh, Colossians 2, 11 through 12. It says, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made with hands by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. You know, there's no body here that's not fully aware of all their weaknesses. There's nobody here that's fully aware of all the things that they have to go through. I want you to know that, that we have the ability as we put our trust, we put our faith in the, the, the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary that we can begin to function in our full purpose. That the faith that we begin to walk in will begin to bear fruit in our life. You see, I, I had a conversation with some pastors the other day. And he said that, that, that the cross that Jesus was crucified on stood between two thieves. Those two thieves represented pride and insecurity. And that we need to not function fully in pride because pride can begin to steal our faith. Insecurity in ourselves can begin to steal our faith. But we need to have balance and we need to have understanding that as we walk and we put our trust fully on the cross of Jesus Christ, that we can walk and not be, let pride and insecurity begin to steal what God wants to do in us. You know, how many opportunities have I had to share the gospel of Jesus Christ but refuse to do it because I had personal insecurities? Maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I'm not tall enough. You know, maybe I don't have enough gray hair. But I want you to know that Jesus Christ has equipped every one of you. He's equipped me. He's given us everything we need above and beyond anything we can possibly imagine to accomplish the work that he set us forth to do. We just need to begin to do that work through faith. And he's going to bring the increase. Come on, he just calls us to plant seeds. He just calls us to water. But God is the one who begins to bring fruit in our life. Come on, no, no sowing, no reaping. I want you to know that Noah there, whenever they gave the promise and, and God began to establish some things in, in, in Noah's time, that he said, he said, these are some principles that are going to live on in, as long as I dwell with men. He said that there will be seed time and there will be harvest. I want you to know that as you begin to plant seeds of faith in people's life, that God's going to begin to bring a harvest. It's, an, it's a spiritual principle. It's no different than if I plant a seed in the ground, what's going to grow? The same plant that I planted. We need to begin to work faith within one another. But it says in Scripture that I believe that the greatest enemy of our faith is unforgiveness. 
The greatest enemy of our faith is pride. The greatest enemy of our faith is insecurity. Come on, as we allow unforgiveness to begin to, to sow a, a root in our heart, that root of bitterness to begin to establish, I want you to know that your faith will begin to be diminished. I want to share one last verse of Scripture in Luke 17, verses 1 through 5. Luke 17, 1 through 5. The greatest enemy of our faith is unforgiveness. So many times I've, I've allowed the work of the enemy, the work of unforgiveness to come into my heart and prevent me from doing what God's called me to do. Oh, well, I can't go do this with this person. I mean, look how they act, you know. Or this, they said this to me, right? They did this. I can't, I can't deal with that. Luke 17, 1 through 5. And Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he warns them. He says, it is impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they come. You know, I just want to pause right there. That word offenses, many of us, we, we understand that we live in a very offended culture, right? We live in a very offended culture. So no matter what you say, you try to give somebody some advice, you try to give somebody just a, an, even an encouraging word, they're going to get offended by you. I want you to know that that word there interpreted in the Greek is, is the word scandalon. And it's not used very often in the Greek language, but, but that word scandalon is, is literally translated a trap stick. Jesus is saying, you can be certain that offenses are going to come. He says that a word offenses is a trap stick. And if you can get an image, and if I had some, some forethought into this, uh, and uh, I would have had a box sitting right here, just get that image of a box, and they've got a little stick that has the, the box propped up, right? Buddy, you probably did this when you were a kid, trying to catch cats and whatnot. But it, and then you tie a little piece of cheese or a little piece of bait to that, to that trap stick, to that, to that stick, and as as the, the animal, he comes and he grabs the bait and he, that stick it gets pulled out and what happens? He's stuck. He's trapped. I want you to see here that that, that word offense, Jesus is saying that the enemy, you can be certain that he's got a trap he's setting for each and every one of you. He said that that trap is the trap of, of unforgiveness. Because Jesus goes on to say, he says, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. And of course, Jesus talking to the children. He says, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, what does he say? Forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall what? Forgive him. And the apostles, in all of their wisdom, in all of their understanding, because they knew that there was going to be someone who's going to come up to them, and they're going to be so stinking offensive that it's going to be impossible that they can continue to, to work with this person. And they're, they're going to have unforgiveness in their heart. That these apostles, they said in their wisdom, they said, Lord, increase our faith. Lord, give us faith to believe that what you say is the truth. Give us faith to, to know that what you say, that, that that same forgiveness that you've extended to me extends to even those people that are so offensive to me. That Jesus Christ, as he was there, crucified on the cross, looked at the very Roman soldiers, looked at the very Jews that put him there, and he began to say, Lord, forgive them, 
for they know not what they do. Because Jesus knew that his purpose was greater than just himself. His purpose that he says that he came for the sins of the whole world. Unforgiveness is the greatest enemy that we have in overcoming and, and beginning to function properly in our faith. Come on, I, 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 I want to encourage you today that you may say my faith is weak. Man, David, we sang this song. Man, how did you do this? My faith is weak. I don't... I, I'm broken inside. Lord, give me faith. Jesus, he goes on to say that if you have faith like a little mustard seed. He uses a couple of examples, but my favorite one is that you can say to this mountain to move and it will be cast into the sea. He says you can say to this mulberry tree to to move, it will be cast into the sea. And I want you to know that it doesn't take an incredible amount of faith, but all it takes is the faith to say We hope that you found this message to be both a blessing as well as challenging. If you would like more information or to leave a comment or prayer request, please visit our website at firstassembly.place. Thank you for tuning in to First Assembly, a place to meet with God.